Coming up this week, off screen, we go back to the first purge. We try swimming with men. Delve into the life of Whitney. Get terminal with Margot Robbie. Learn the story of Mary Shelley. Go in darkness with Natalie Dormer. And we visit Steve Coogan and Paul Rudd's ideal home. All those coming more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. And I'm Case Allen. <laughs> so we're testing a new setup this week, so uh, we're actually going to be a bit more casual than usual. So we've, we've, using... we've got the Britney Spears mics. We've got the lav mics. It's yeah. like we're at a press junket or something. Yeah. So uh, this is going to be a new experience for us because we're actually in a living room for a change rather than... Uh, this is comfortable. comfortable. Well, yes. Okay, so before we get to the news, the reviews, Box Office Top 5, all the cinematic goodness yet to come, uh, we need a piece of film news to start us off. Mr. Allen, what do you have for me, sir? i got news about The Sopranos, famously a TV show. So yes. part TV news, part film news, because we're getting a prequel movie. We are, aren't we? Which Doesn't is pretty great. We have a director now, is that It the... does, and that is the news. Ah, indeed. Okay. So um, the film is uh, going to be called uh, The Many Saints of Newark, which makes sense. Right, yes, New, of course. New, yeah. New, New Jersey. That's, that's my best. That's my best. That's your best one. My favourite is this function, this, this function, that, this function. Papago! Yeah, you've got to say Papago. I love yeah. that. I love that show so much. So good. Well, uh, the director is um, one uh, Alan Taylor. Of Game of Thrones and Thor the Dark World? What is it? Yeah. So Game of Thrones is obviously amazing. That's great. Um, Thor Ragnarok, not that inspiring. Terma Genesis, not that inspiring, but he directed loads of episodes of The Sopranos. So pretty pretty decent choice. Yeah, yeah pretty good one. Um, yeah. yeah, Terminator Genesis is definitely not going to inspire confidence. In, no, in Terminator anyone. Jellyfish. Terminator Jellyfish. We call it for a long, <laughs> long time. That was a terrible movie. But yeah, so yeah. is this again getting a theatrical release, this movie then? Because Sopranos um, is big I, I, enough. Apparently so, yeah, which is huh. fairly exciting. But it's, it's going to be a prequel. It's going to focus on younger versions of the characters that we all know. So we mm. need to find a young Tony Soprano. That's very that true. That is crazy. <laughs> Oof. Imagine having to replace James Gandolfini. Yeah. Who, who do you get? daunting. Jonah Hill? <laughs> it's just funny if I was just yeah. thinking Jonah Hill as he, well. He's a massive fan of The Sopranos, I know. Who isn't a massive fan of The Sopranos? The Sopranos is awesome. Yeah. But so it's one of those shows you just you rewatch every now and again. Well, I, when I, you did, I, I only did. just finished watching it for the first time. Was that the first time? Yeah, a few months ago. Ah, okay. So, I can't believe I didn't start sooner. It was incredible. Were you like everyone else? Steve Buscemi's season was your favourite season. Oh, definitely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah okay. Just, just thought I'd check on that one. <laughs> just so we, we can remain friends. Just so, yeah, so we can we can stay birds. We can stay birds. All's yeah. good in the hood. Okay, so uh, plug the podcast. Uh, we going to do that real quick. So if you want the extended version of this show, uh, more film news, Moment of Cage, loads more fun to be had, uh, go along to uh, iTunes, Deezer, uh, Spotify uh, yeah. now as well. Um, any podcast platform you like, off screen is in there in its uh, expanded, unfiltered form for your uh, auditory pleasure so uh, in the meanwhile first review of the week and um, we got to talk about not the last purge because that really the last purge was the, was actually the last purge yeah, it was the end, said that's going to be the, the last one yeah, yeah. And now but we they have, still want to make films they still want to make them yeah so now we've got the first purge which arrives a couple of weeks ahead of the purge of the series 
Um, yeah, I've not watched a trailer for that yet. I, I, I have, have you, not. Have you, have you not? I've not. No, yeah. I mean, I've seen an image from it that just looked like a standard Purge movie. Mm, cool. um, yeah. But you know, I'm a fan of this series. I've got to admit, I'm kind of like, so am I. Yeah, yeah kind of like you said, the first one is the worst. I think everyone says that. I think because I think the first one, everyone just wanted like what we got in the second one, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. And then we got in the second one. We're like, oh, great! This is what we have now. Yeah, awesome. and then we got a third one that was was pretty decent. Yeah, and now we've got uh, a fourth one that's. Uh, it was originally entitled The Purge. The island and it very quickly becomes apparent why it was called that because the film takes place entirely on staten island Ah. so what we get is a prequel that establishes the origin story of this you know new american tradition as as the posters declare it um it is the uh the rise of the new founding fathers of america a right-wing hyper-christian political party that has arisen as an alternative to uh the the failing old parties of the democrats and republicans this new party has brought with it this idea of the purge which well actually it's called the experiment first of all then it becomes known colloquially as the purge it is to take place across one night, as we know, on Staten Island. This is the very first one they want to see if this is going to work. The psychologist who came up with the theory uh, is overseeing the whole thing. She's played by Marissa Tomei. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good casting. That's, that's a good, good, good yeah. casting. It's good. She's not in the film for, for, for long, really. She's not in it much. Right. It's, it's not really a great role. I would have liked no. her to have been like the star of a new, new mini franchise within the franchise kind of thing, but yeah. no. Um, and over the course of this one night, what you have is a local drug lord on Staten Island who, along with his uh, his crew, his employees, his extended family, um, take it upon themselves to police their own, to protect their own. Uh, obviously, some people wind up outside of their homes when the purge begins. There happens to be a mentally imbalanced serial killer loose on the island as well, who, it appears, as we're told in the film's intro, has been let in intentionally. And this leads to a larger agenda, because what happens to this grand experiment when the purge doesn't take off? And the government naturally comes up with its own deviant ways to ensure that the, the scales tip ever so slightly in their favour. We have a clip. What are you going to do? You going to hurt him? Kill him? Ah, come on. No, 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 because that's your answer to everything. Right? That's who you are. Today it was two people we know, but every day it's at least two who are hurt because of you, D. I know no other way. Come on, I grew up here too. We all have to make choices in life to heal or to hurt, and you chose the latter. Now, the purge is one day. You, Dimitri, destroyed his community 364 days a year. So that's your uh, gay local drug kingpin there, and his ex-girlfriend, I believe? Uh, the film's a little, a little patchy on it. Um, right, the, the stuff in here that, that I really loved, um, I mean... <laughs> It's amazing that it's taken four Purge movies to take one serious dig at Donald Trump. Well, I guess this is the first one that's since, come out since he's mm. fully taken power, I guess. Well, the last one was 2016, when it was before... Like, of course, obviously, yeah. it was called Election Year, so it was it was pointed at what was happening, but it was a character mm. that effectively was Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that's very true. It fought, yeah. but it was... Uh, Kind of showing what was going to happen when she when she won. <laughs> she rose to power. That, that, that didn't happen. That didn't. No, I go and ask make Matt Stone and Trey Parker how that pans out. Yeah. Um, but no, this the stuff in this I, I really love, and I really love the satirical side of it. It's interesting to me actually. The Purge movies for me are at their best when they stop trying to be a horror movie. And this very much continues that trend, although the horror movie element of that this time, which is 
there just happens to be a deranged, multiple murdering serial killer type on the island um, who keeps popping up here and there, a sort mm. of a swiper-like antagonist. He's not in it enough for my liking, but he is absolutely terrific when he is. And I'm trying to find the name of the actor because for the life of me, I couldn't figure out where I knew him from. Yeah. Rutima Paul. I think Rutima sometimes Paul. For, for these movies, you need like that big bad. You need that You do. Antagonist. This definitely yeah. benefits from having that sort of antagonist. But you have also got the government storylines. Also, there are yeah. parallel stories lines running although I, I do feel with the other perch films like there's always even if there's not one big bad there's one character that's got like a look that you will always associate with that film so with election year there's a guy with like it's like a george washington man yes, there's, there's yeah. a statue of liberty so you'll always like think oh we're gonna see loads of that one and we do was anarchy and, the one who's it was like a, a black balaclava with a skull i think on it yes think, yeah so. like that was all of the trailer of marketing yeah. and this this time is a man with sort of devil horns and a, a full blown mask. Um, it is mm. interesting that certain elements of the the purge mythology, the actual uh, the the logistics of it, start to get a little bit more fl- flashed out here. Um, for instance, other other countries' attitudes toward the purge. That was something touched on in the last movie. We get a bit more of that here. Um, there is uh, the establishment of why masks, for instance, are are a part of the purge and the psychological release because people know that they won't be identified. They feel freer to go out and do things and it explores things like that you think okay yes that's pretty good and it even finally finally addresses something that's annoyed the hell out of me with this series for years if there are no laws Mm. why does everyone automatically default to murder as the first law they want to actually break can you not think of like five people you would like to kill right now well, there's only two of us in the room case, so... <laughs> so this might be the last episode this of the show. the last ever. episode. <laughs> um, but there is a point in which you see a couple, for instance, having graphic sex on the hood of a car, and a character just offhandedly acknowledges, see, that's illegal, but it's not now. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Yes, we need to do stuff. We need stuff. So, the so, so the next one will be Fun Purge. <laughs> Why is there no Fun Purge? Uh, there is, for instance, an exploration of what human beings would actually do if you introduce the purge in the real world today, yeah. the answer is pretty much what you'd expect. And uh, the solution to it, absolutely brilliant. And like something out of a Scream movie, I absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> I had fun with it. I admit that it's 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 made on sort of a televisual scale, but these movies all they are, are anyway. Are, yeah. yeah, That's why like, they can make them in a couple of months. It comes out yeah. like <laughs> six, seven months later or whatever. That's why you get like a $5 million movie that churns out, you know, 150 back. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, why, Basic why not? Basic no-name cast. Not? The biggest name in here is uh, Laguerra from Death. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Marissa Tomei. Oh, oh Marissa, Marissa Tomei, yeah. sorry, yes. Um, <laughs> they always get people like 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 that, or Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo, or I mean, uh, probably... Kelty Williamson last time, wasn't oh, it? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he had my favourite line in the entire franchise. Which one was that? Um, he, kept, he had this weird, weird kind of catchphrase, which was, uh, good night, blue cheese. Oh, and, yes, he did. Yeah. And, and he says it like four times. <laughs> that was absolutely an awful catchphrase, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I loved it. So this one is the first one that's not been directed by James DeMonaco. Oh, uh, he has written it, though, so it's story-wise, you do feel like you're on the same ground. It doesn't feel like a series that's lost its way. or anything. It definitely is holding to its continuity, its mythology. Uh, standard workman-like direction that you can bring to this from uh, Gerard McMurray. Workman-like, but, you know, it's got that signature, that signature look that the Purge series always manages to get out. You know, that, that, that dark and neon... Yeah, uh, sort of eighties horror aesthetic, sort of synthwave horror aesthetic going in the background. Yeah, it's it's very Escape from New York. It's very much. That's, that's definitely a visual cue. I think. I say I enjoyed it. I think I know you're going to see it with Cassie. I believe as well. Uh, I am. I was going to see it yesterday, and then uh, you know, no life, life makes makes other plans. Uh, indeed. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. 
Um, I'm sure I will sure play. Will. Yeah. Well, you know what you're getting. It's a tight number. It's, it's what I want. Minute. It's like yeah. if it were to carry on making Final Destination films, I know what it's going to be. I know I'm going to enjoy it, even if it's not a particularly great film. See that? That's it. And also, I just I want to thank you for acknowledging that we do need the Final Destination movies back in cinemas. We need them back. We, we need them back. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the On Screen Radio Show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, shall we uh, take ourselves to the box office top five for the uh, for the week? Well, we've got nowhere else to go. Number five, Sanju, which I have not seen. It was not press shown. Uh, I don't personally know anyone who's seen it. I um, have not seen it. I, I believe it was a film. Um out because because Eid it was it was it was a big, big that, thing that time yeah. I think it's about some guy some guy named Sanju mm, good name so, solid name solid name so um, has anyone seen Sanju who's tweeted about it because I th- there's got to be so at Ashrao one one zero says hashtag Sanju movie hashtag Sanju review is just not a movie it shows how a dad never loses hope on his son and helps fight in life salutes every father for their sacrifices and love. I, I think we have a fan, uh, a, very, a very intense fan, but a fan nonetheless. Number four. Tag, you're it. <laughs> right, you've seen this now. Okay, you've got, to, you've got to be quick about it. So, um, you've seen it. What did you think? And I know you went off at the same point I did. Um, yeah, it, it didn't lose me completely at that point. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this was fun to be, was fun to be had. Um, I feel like for the cast that's involved, it should have been slightly better. But I also don't really blame the cast for that. I think the the fault for me is in the writing, and I think it is in yeah. particularly going into that zone that you really shouldn't have. Yeah, just for like your big shock yeah. moment of the film. Uh, but on that, I, I feel like there's, yeah, there's, there's other big shock moments that you could have done instead. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I did think I did have some fun with it, and that's uh... so did I. And and for the most part, it's because you got John Hamm being. A John Ham like character, you got Jay Johnson being, Johnson like yeah, being Nick from the UK. You've got Hal Morris talking slow yeah. and coming out with some of the best lines of the whole film. You've got Ed Helms being insanely likable. Just just being just being Andy. And Ella Fisher stealing the whole thing. Yeah, she yeah, she yeah. she was fantastic. Yeah. She's great, isn't she? He didn't expect that at all. No, yeah. And but, uh, Jeremy Renner doing like a uh, Downey Jr. Sherlock. I know I love it. That was kind of cool. Yeah. So I, I would watch it again like on Netflix. We'll we'll watch it in a year or so. Of course, of course. Has anyone has anyone tweeted in the affirmative or the negative at Mrs. Gleason 918 wife of Brandon mother of, of Donal oh, so I was just going to add a 4567 to the end of the movie. Oh, you should have done yeah <laughs> just carried on forever um, <laughs> saw hashtag tag movie last night with my husband by far one of the funniest movies that we've seen in a while someone doesn't get out a lot um, the end credits how does rolling hashtag mm. number three Sicario, Day of the Soldado 2, but yeah, you, or whatever. You were, obviously, I didn't review this with you last yeah, week. No. Um, it, it's, I'm just calling it Soldado. That's all it is. Right. It's in, Soldado. In, in this country, I've seen buses that say Sicario 2, mm-hmm. and then I've seen another bus that said Sicario Soldado. I mean, I've seen posters for this country where it says Day of the Soldado. Yes. Make okay. your mind. Don't care, it's Soldado. That's what it was originally called. That's what it's sticking as for me. Um, have you seen it? Not yet, no. I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, 
Having said that, I don't think it's as miraculous a film as the first one is, but I think that's the Denis Villeneuve difference, to be honest. Mm. I watched the first one the other day. It's, still, it's very, very good, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's the first one. Um, the second one, because I think, to be honest with you, it's, it's not got the Emily Blunt character in it, so there is, there's a heart that's, that's noticeably missing from it. And you do get a little bit of that with Benicio having a, a bigger storyline, a more beefed-up storyline, but I think that emotional core mm. that Emily, Emily Blunt's character brought to that first movie is noticeably missing. Having said that... I loves me a good real-world war on terror shoot 'em up uh, down yeah. and dirty movie, and frankly, Michael Mann's not churning them out anymore. So no, he's, he's, uh, he's wearing black hats, isn't he? Now? <laughs> he is. Let's have, let's have someone tweet us at Doctor Mike Simpson, who is a doctor of uh, Josh Brolin films that have come out this year. You Seems can, to me you can do a whole doctor because he's been in twelve films just this year. <laughs> we are in the month of July. Um, hashtag uh, Scario Davis of the Soldado was the first film in a long time to give me legit flashbacks and get my heart rate up. Oh, he's, he's lived a life, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And it's very true to the border situation um, in its portrayal of cartel members and coyotes. What? Um, great That's... character development by both uh, Brolin and Del Toro. Five out of five stars from me. Wow. Did Dr. Mike just out himself as a former CIA agent? I, 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 I think so. I think he did. Mike Simpson, MD. Number two. Uh, Ocean's Eight. <laughs> Well, it's better than Ocean Seven, but not as good as Ocean's. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's 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 pretty fun. You you saw it as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. It was good okay. fun, isn't it? Yeah. Highest grossing one of the series, you know, so far. Yes, I did. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's that's a relatively uh, a new. I didn't even know there was a scale for that, but okay. So it turns out the one with Al Pacino as the villain uh, did not make as much money. So uh, who knew? Go figure. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and how many people even remembered that Al Pacino was the villain of an Ocean's movie? Well, I. I've still not seen Thirteen. Have you not? No, that's his one. I just, I just, I, I, I know, I know who's in it, and Eddie Izzard's in it as well. Oh, he is. I just, know, I just um, never got around to watching it. Do you know Al Pacino's name in that movie? No, it's Willie Bank. Yes, and he's oh. called that because you can take it to the bank. That's his catchphrase. Does, does he say that many yes. times? Yes, he does. I might watch that later. It's, it's pretty bad, and Matt Damon adopts a terrible prosthetic nose. Anyway, Ocean's Eight is really fun, and the cast are all great, particularly Kate Blanchett. I don't think it looks as good as Number Eleven. Yes, actually, you don't you know go I mean? with that. Like, it doesn't some... have the gloss, does it? No, the, that, that polished pristine. Yeah, you know how cool. You know how cool Ocean's Eleven was. Right, this is this is a genuine thing. You can test this next time it's on. Uh, when Matt Damon phones Andy Garcia, to, uh, when Brad Pitt, sorry, phones Andy Garcia to you know taunt him, yeah, tell him right? we are robbing your bank. Yeah, <laughs> he takes out a two thousand one era Ericsson. Yes, he does. Phone. Yeah, I watched. I watched it a fortnight ago. Exactly, and the movie is so cool that that doesn't even seem dated. Now, no, how sick true. is that? I mean, Brad Pitt could be like, oh, my new film is coming out exclusively on, like, I mean, on Betamax. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't seem outdated. Have we, have we been tweeted on the subject of the, uh, the Ocean's Octagon or whatever we're calling it? Oh, Ocean's Octagon? Yeah, oh, yeah. One. It was um, Ocean's Ocho. Originally. Ocho, yeah. yeah. And then we were like, no. Yes. Um, at uh, Sonora Angel says, my favourite thing about hashtag Ocean's 8 is women constantly eating, like full-on big bites of food. It's so nice and rare to see women enjoying eating on screen. Um, did, did you know women are people too? Apparently, this is news to this person. Oh I've, my god! I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen my wife eat a bag of crisps, and that's it. We've been together for seven years. Um, that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that sounds about right. I, just, I love this. See, this is this is what happens when you start to lower the, you start to lower your expectation part. <laughs> I don't know, just show me, show me on halfway on a film, eating a sandwich for two hours, I'll be happy. In fact, this person will be as well. I will I'll absolutely watch a halfway eating a sandwich for two hours. Number one. Life uh, finds a way.
doesn't find a way to get him into a film for more than four minutes, though, does it? Four minutes? What director's cut were you watching? That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> four seconds. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. If that was 60 seconds of cumulative screen time, I would be shocked. Mm. It can't be more than 60 seconds altogether. No. I mean, he might be the what first... Is, what is he even... Like, unless he's going to be in the next one. What's it? I mean, he said in advance, though, didn't he, that it, it's really just a cameo and they could cut it and not lose anything. Yeah. And it turns out he's the first actor in history who actually might have oversold his own cameo. Definitely. But, uh... But, yeah, he was still out on the press... Like, the international press tour for it. Because if you could get Jeff Goldman on your press tour, wouldn't you? Definitely. Yeah. He's, he's happy to just go out and just talk to people, isn't he? He's, kind of is. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I think the world's a better place for him. Yeah, just in the last few years, like not that Goldblum has ever really gone out of favour, but definitely mm. the last five years has been something of a Goldblum essence, hasn't it? Oh yeah, because he's he's gained his retro retro fan base now, I yeah. think as well. So, but uh, alas, I I thought Jurassic World was fine, a perfectly enjoyable sequel, but utterly completely unnecessary. Has someone tweeted that they love it or hate it? At Chris Pratt says, "Fudge you, Connor." <laughs> <laughs> At uh, Dead Zombie under slash under, under slash case. under slash <gasps> underscore underscore girl says, "Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom." I would give four out of five stars. Wow, someone has seen uh, four films in my life. Awesome, and um, it was pretty. Uh, what was pretty good and action packed? Almost made me cry, but redeemed itself. So if you made her cry, that's it. She's she's demoting two stars. Oh, right, okay, well, that's fair enough. But, um, yeah, she she liked it, good for her. Awesome. Excellent. Well, do you know what, it has its fans, and do you know what, I, I love a Jurassic World movie full stop, so... Mm. The direction's great. I yeah. think we can agree on that. Yeah. So, uh, should we have a bit of film news before we uh, cross over to Mary Shelley? We'll have a quick piece of film news, and then I'll do a really quick uh, Mary Shelley review for us. Yeah. Have you watched The Crown? The yeah. Crown. The Netflix series about the royals? Yes. Yes, um, I'm aware of it. Um, I, you acknowledge it as a piece of entertainment. Yes. I acknowledge the existence of The Crown as a functional TV show. Yeah, but, but you do not believe in it. I personally do not believe... No, no, I've just not watched it. No. Um, it's it's good. It's really good. And the person who's good in it is um, uh, Vanessa Kirkby. I know this name and I'm not sure why. Okay, she plays uh, Princess Margaret? Margaret? Yes, the Queen's sister. sister. Yeah, Queen's yeah, sister. Yeah. You're right, go. I almost said Prince Anne. I was like, nope, wrong royal. <laughs> wrong generation. Uh, yes, yeah, she plays Margaret in that. She's very good in it. Um, she is going to be in the new uh, Mission Impossible. Oh, she's okay. like another femme fatale. Fair, fair, because you, you never have a shortage of uh, femme fatales. You never have too many uh, femme fatales. Exactly. In the Mission so it's going to be her, Rebecca Ferguson, which is amazing. But she's just lined up a new gig. What's she got? Well, I, I feel like there's a rule. Like, once you start, like, getting, like, some notoriety and you, like, you're an amazing, like, kick-ass female actress, I'll certainly amount of time until you're in a film with The Rock. Oh, of course. So she's got to be... three? Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, the Fast and Furious, Jason yeah. Statham, Dwayne Johnson's And she is playing... Don't tell Statham's... Me. No, not his sister. Sister. Of course she is. Of course she is, Yeah. Right, Definitely. so Jason Statham now has a sister as well. Uh, we've, we've met the mum, we've met the brother. Yeah. This now, is great. This is, this, oh my God. No, it's fantastic, because I think what's going to happen, like, mm. either they, they get, like, the whole family for this one, or <laughs> we get a sequel for Hobbs and Shaw, and it's just called, like, Shaw's Revenge, or Shaw's, uh, Shaw's Something yet? Redemption. Or... Have they confirmed Charlize Theron for this yet? Because I thought the whole point was going to be they were hunting Charlize Theron, but... Oh, Really? Yeah, I, I, thought that... I, I, I thought she was going to be maybe a nine. Oh, nine, maybe. Nine well, it's going to be one of the other reasons. This it? is going to be a separate thing. I mean, no, we we need we need what's his face to be the bad guy for this from Rampage. He's gone out of my head. Oh, uh, Jeffrey oh, Morgan. Jeffrey Morgan. Yeah, we he'd need be a Je- brilliant villain. Be absolutely inc- like him. Him and the Rock together in Rampage oh, was the best. That's thing. so good, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, I love that scene. I need, I need him to be in the middle <laughs> for that film. So uh, let's have a look then at Mary Shelley, which is uh, out this week as well. Uh, Mary Shelley is a biopic of the author of the same name, um, who most of us know now as having written Frankenstein. Oh, um, directed by uh, directed by Ken Branagh. She wrote that yeah. Ken Branagh movie. Bray, yeah, yeah. yeah, she wrote she wrote Ken Branagh's Frankenstein. So she wrote Ken Branagh's Mary Shelley's Mary Frankenstein. Frankenstein yeah. That's what it is. So yeah, so she's the chick who wrote that. No, I'm kidding. So uh, <laughs> could the, be here all day. Yeah. So uh, the legendary female author who uh, penned Mary Shelley. Uh, I mean, uh, according to sort of legend, as part of a challenge with uh, her husband and Lord Byron. So they the three they all competed to see who caught with the scary story. She wrote the Frankenstein or the postmodern Prometheus, and she's played here by El Fanning because everyone is now. Here's a clip. Did you finish it? Yes. It chilled me to the bone. It's good to enjoy a ghost story now and then. We both know this is no ghost story. I've never read such a perfect encapsulation of what it feels to be abandoned. So Elle Fanning and Belle Powley there. And you know how happy I always am to see Belle Powley. Yeah, she's great. She's great. I love Belle Powley. I'm such a fan of her. Ever since she played Princess Margaret, funnily enough. Oh, my God. In A Royal Night Out. Full circle. Yes. Because she's yeah. just absolutely brilliant. So we need to see Vanessa Coke being Bell Power, you know. Yeah, we need them to team up. It's Keith David and Keith all over again. Yeah. Um, so um, this is very much. This is a film that doesn't quite find its its pedigree for me. Doesn't quite find its right tone. I think it skews a little CW at times for its own good, um, particularly in the casting of Douglas Booth. Douglas Booth mm-hmm. plays Percy Shelley. Um, of whom obviously Mary takes her married name before she becomes an author. Um, and quite frankly, it's they do love to lean on the sensationalist, kind of Pete Doherty type of a character. That's their version of Shelley. And the problem is that once you stack him at the side of, uh, I can't even remember, it's Tom Sturridge who plays Lord Byron. I couldn't remember his name. Oh, yeah. yeah once yeah. you've got Tom Sturridge turning up to play Lord Byron, the problem is it's kind of, you don't really notice Lord Byron because... Shelley's kind of already playing that character and it kind of sucks it away. So there's not enough of a a differential in the screen platform. The other thing as well is, to be really honest, knowing the story of how Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein ahead of having seen the film, and this doesn't subvert my expectations of what that story was going to be in any way, but she does come across a bit whiny. Hmm. They've, they've, and the fact that it's Elle Fanning playing her with a sort of a kind of, you know, a flatline, uh, flatline energy throughout. It just never quite truly comes to life for me. In a story that involves the creation of Frankenstein, that's kind of a problem. Um, I say, decently enough directed by uh, Haifram Mansour, who is the first female filmmaker in Saudi Arabia, and uh, has not directed anything else that we uh, would particularly know, I don't believe. It's a pretty decent cast, isn't it? It is a decent cast. Now, I did like Stephen Delane. Who plays uh, 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 Stano? Yeah, who plays Stanos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, plays uh, William Godwin, who plays uh, Mary's Mary's father. Um, great performance, and I thought he kind of he kind of towed the line. But I do think he is far and away the best performance in the film. Yeah. You know, with Bell Powley ranking um, uh, second. But does the name uh, Hugh O'Connor mean anything to you? Not off the top of my head. Why do I feel like it should? Right, here's a guy. He's an actor who was in this. Yes, he's in a film that me and you like. Quite a bit. Is he now? Hugh yeah. O'Connor. Hugh O'Connor. Click on him. Click on that face. Click on that face. Okay. And he is the star killing Bono. 
Maybe Shirley. Three Musketeers. King Louis. He's King Louis. King Louis. Oh, my God. Yeah. King Louis. My God, he grew up. Didn't he? Was he about 15 when he made that movie? Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah, back to the right. topic. Mary Shelley, it's all right, but it's not great. It's decently enough directed by Harry Froman. So, uh, script isn't quite there, though. And the performance at the centre of it all, a bit too flat. Other than that, pretty good, I suppose. But just don't go in expecting anything revel- revelatory. High praise. With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, we've got so much to fit into so little time, as always. We are but two men. We are but two men, even though we now have complete hands-free because of our yeah. wonderful new equipment. Look at me. I'm looking at my phone and I'm drinking some squash. I know. Aren't we living the rock star dream? <laughs> <laughs> On which note, should we have some rapid-fire reviews for the week? Ooh, why not? Terminal. Not the Terminal. Terminal. Yeah, it's, an, it's a title that does get used an awful lot, that one, isn't it? Mm. So, Terminal, you may um, have noticed uh, from the marketing campaign, has uh, Margot Robbie front and centre. It also stars the likes of, I think it's Max Irons, Dexter Fletcher, Simon Pegg, uh, Nick, Mar- yeah, Nick Moran, and, of course, Mike Myers. Uh, there's also a almost blink-and-you'll-miss-it role for uh, Matthew Lewis in there as well. Huh. Uh, so, uh, Right, so this it takes the form of... Um, well, it's supposed to be an, an anonymous city, but it's very British. It looks like it's been constructed by the depths of a Neil Gaiman book. Mm. Um, has that sort of nevermore, everywhere kind of, you know, the, 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 the Neil Gaiman books. Anyway, um, and it's against this backdrop that you get a series of uh, short storylines coming on. So you've got um, a pair of assassins who are out on a hit. You've got uh, a dying teacher. Teacher discovers a dying. Um, we've got uh, a, a, a waitress who's not quite all she appears to be. And then you've got Mike Myers, who's a cockney janitor. And he's middling around behind the scenes and he seems to know more than he's letting on. So here's, here's a quick clip. Some say to survive it, you need to be as mad as a hatter, which luckily I am. Did that clip make any sense to you guys? Oh, Danny Boyle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The film doesn't terribly come together in any conceivable way other than to look quite cool. And really, it seems to have no priority other than that. Um, The cast are all swinging for the fences. They're all going for it as hard as they can. Uh, Mike Myers just absolutely, you know, (laughs) absolutely annihilates screen time with his atrocious murdering of the sort of Dick Van Dyke accent. Mm. It's it's just uh, abominable. Um, And in the meanwhile, you've just got a series of storylines that just seem to happen. There's no real resonance put into anything. There's no no great depth, no, no particular smarts to the writing. And this comes as an original creation by writer-director Vaughn Stein, um, who, I'll be honest, I primarily seem to know as the second unit director on World War Z. So we're not talking about, we're not talking about the next Joe Carnahan. For that why, do, why do you know so many uh, second unit directors? Uh, because for, I had to pour through the, uh, the, the end credits of uh, World War Z for something unrelated. Anyway, um, <laughs> we all have lives. You can't just open the book of my life halfway and through and jump in. Anyway, um, 
it just doesn't quite come together. It does have that feel of a slap together for TV and like Neil Gaiman adaptation. I mean, certainly in terms of how it looks. And although it looks pretty, and Margot Robbie's doing that psychotic Harley Quinn thing that she did so well in Suicide Squad, but arguably, you know, that was a low bar. Um, she's doing that again here, and well, congratulations, she's found a worse film to do it in than Suicide Squad. There's not an awful lot to hang your hat on with this. I've not met anyone who's enjoyed it. Um, a lot of people have, have really gone hard on this one. Uh, personally, I didn't care enough to be too hard on it. I, I kind of just okay. felt like the film came and went, didn't really leave much of a, an impact. My opinion of it is terminal. Ideal Home. Ideal Home, which comes to us from writer-director Andrew Fleming and stars Steve Coogan and Paul Rudd as a... Uh, Long-time sort of domesticated gay couple. Uh, Paul Rudd is the uh, Paul Rudd is the younger of the pair. Bit of a hipster type. He's he's got the the, the specific beard, leather jacket. Mm. Uh, what do they call it? A, a, a fade. He's got a fade. Yes, yes. So he's cool. We know he's cool. He wears scarves recreationally. Anyway, and then he's um, he's in a long-term relationship with uh, Steve Coogan, who is Erasmus Brumble. Great name. He's a great name. Isn't great it? name. He's a terrific name. Erasmus Brumble, who is a sort of curmudgeonly old flamboyant TV chef type. Cool. Um, who seems to deal exclusively in, because they live in, is it Santa Fe? I think they live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm. And he seems to deal exclusively in sort of cowboy-themed dishes. And it's, it's discovered one night, as they're throwing a house party, that um, Steve Coogan, in fact, fathered a son many, many years earlier. His partner knows about this, but they're, they're estranged, so uh, they've never had to deal with the issue before. When the son, who's, by the way, played by the male lead of the Limitless TV spin-off, Ah. Whose name I forget. Um, we don't need to know his name. We don't need to know his name. He gets uh, locked up because it turns out he's a bit of a con artist. His young son, who's like about 10, 11 years old, um, is given instructions to seek out Erasmus wow. and bunk with him for a bit. Cool. And, My great uh, granddad. Yeah. Here's a clip. Are you Erasmus Brumble? I am indeed. I love your books and your TV show. I'm concerned that artichoke soup is sad, but if we use this as a base, we can make individual sformato. Come on! Sformato in Limoges? Aren't we gay enough? Dear Erasmus, this is your grandson. You have a grandson? It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, look, I've had no work done. <laughs> you got to love a bit of Steve Coogan, don't you? Mm. Um, he's a lot of fun in this. And Paul Rudd's a lot of fun in this. And the thing is, it's because they, uh, they're they getting to basically do the kind of things that they do so well. Paul Rudd works best when he is that, oh, come on, guy. You know when he's the role models character? <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, Venti, you know, uh, now, you, you, is this a Fellini movie? Now you can be stupid in two languages. That kind of character, Paul Rudd can just effortlessly yeah, just do it asleep. Yeah. And the idea of, of Steve Coogan finding any kind of a challenge in playing a flamboyant uh, gay TV chef. I think, yeah, you, you think you'd have to get it really early in the morning to stump him with that one. I yeah. think he could, he could find that pretty easily. Um, it is funny. It is. It's not quite as heartwarming as you would think. And when it comes to the emotional parts of the story, they kind of get cast aside wherever possible until the film really needs a resolution, and then they just blaze through it in about ten minutes. Mm. So you've got a film that's ninety-one minutes long that feels like about 80 minutes of it is the fun stuff, and then there's 10 minutes plot at the end. Which is a shame, but I'll be honest, I didn't come away from the film. But it's fun stuff. That's it. I didn't, come, I didn't think any less of it. I still had a great time with the performance. It's great. The script is very, very sharp. I guess it's a simple premise, isn't it? Yeah. So 
anymore. It's just kind of treading water. And there's there's stuff in there that's that you just like. I I really wish I could watch some sort of like inevitable TV adaptation of this because there's stuff like, for instance, uh, you know, a sixty year old gay man and his forty year old lover uh, having to become suburban parents. It, mm. There's something in that concept that I would watch as a series. And when they're forced to go to kids' birthday parties, for instance, um, and they discover that they just don't fit in, then great. That's the stuff that you I, that really worked for me. And it's the stuff that I would like to see this sort of uh, adapted and, and done more with. Um, they've also got, by the way, a supporting role for Alison Pill in there. Who I love Alison Pill. Turns up as the uh, social worker who has to keep an eye on them. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like the movie. I, I had a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, Distance Podcast, uh, Alison, uh, Alison Pill in there, as you say, yeah. uh, uh, Kate Walsh. Oh, Jake McDonough, by the way, is the dude from Limitless. That's his name. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought uh, Andrew Fleming's directorial eye for it, it helped that he had... What, the... what else has he done? That was the thing. Actually, offhand, I hadn't looked. Uh, Hamlet 2. So I think With we know... Steve Steve Coogan. Coogan. Yeah. Yes, I think we know how they cross paths. Uh, also, and you're going to love this, director of The Craft. No way. Yes way, Ted. Oh, yeah. I like the craft. I, I, like I mean, craft, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a 29 year old man. Of course, I like the craft. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I watched it again recently, yeah. and I had uh, I had great fun with it. But uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. But uh, oh, and don't forget, Neff Campbell back in cinemas next week in Skyscraper. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Ideal Home, absolutely worth checking. If you want a good laugh, check this out. It's not quite Andrew Guest level. I'd say it's slightly more accessible than that. But uh, it's it's good, solid Coogan and Rudding. In the Darkness, the Justin Hawkins biopic. <laughs> if only. So, In Darkness, prepare thyself. So, this is written and directed by Anthony Byrne, and it stars Natalie Dormer as a mm. blind pianist in a film orchestra. You know, the, the orchestra that provide the film scores? She's the pianist for, for the film scores. Um, and then one day, her upstairs neighbour, who's the daughter of a European warlord, and she's played by Emily Ratajkowski. Well, she falls out the window, you see, uh, but not before having a sort of weird encounter with Natalie Dormer in a lift where Natalie Dormer, quote-unquote, saw her killer. Um, of course, the killer is played by Ed Screen, or Scrine, depending, so um, who, of course, works for a criminal... Uh, boss, uh, played by uh, Jolie Richardson, who for the first two-thirds of this movie, because of the, 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 the raven-haired look they've given her, I thought was Carrie Ann Moss. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what you've got then is Ed Screen tiptoeing, t- tiptoeing around Natalie Dormer, sort of attempting to begin a relationship with her to find out what she does and doesn't know. Does she know it's him? Does she know his part? But, does he really know all there is to know about Natalie Dormer to begin with? Here's a clip. 28-year-old Veronique Roddich fell from her apartment building in what appears to be a suicide. Alleged war criminals officially identified his daughter's body. Did you know Veronique well? Sophia, please look after it for me. There was a woman in the end of my arm. She's blind. Is it true that the loss of one sense sharpens the others. This is, in a word, dreadful. Absolutely, stonkingly dreadful. I really want to watch it. Oh, good lord. Okay, so Natalie Dormer, fine, I guess. 
it's an it's, interesting poster. They've like scratched her eye out. Yeah, they have, yeah. and they've got like in the background what you're not sure if that actually is Ed Screen or, or not. Red Skull or Red Skull. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's kind of fine. But anyway, the film is bad to a degree that you can genuinely come away and say Ed Screen is the best thing in it. Um, Emily Ratajkowski delivers what I am sure has got to be a Golden Razzie nom next year. It's got to be. This is astonishingly bad acting. And I say that having sat through... What was the film she was terrible in before? Was it the EDM one? Hashtag Waif. Hashtag Waif. Yeah, she was terrible in that as well. And, of course, Entourage, in which she simply didn't need to be there. And I think we know now for a fact was literally written in... It was a generic character that was swapped in on the day. But, um, yeah. The film just simply cannot help itself. It just wants to be the trashiest, sleaziest version of of, it, of itself. Mm. But at the same time, it really wants you to think it's gloss and slick. It looks and like polished. one of those like big budget sky movies movies. Yeah, it kind Did, of you yeah, know, like, it has that yeah, like a normal yeah, it has yeah. that feel to it. Right. So the first half of this, and I checked, it was actually almost bang on the first half. Basically plays like a Brian De Palma film for idiots. The second half plays like somebody got given the great big book of twists for Christmas and decided, I'm going to do all these in one. <laughs> and and that's what you get. You get a twisty story so mind-numbingly stupid that Keanu Reeves's By the Way I'm Magic moment from 47 Ronin genuinely looks accomplished at the side of this. This, at one point, goes full Red Sparrow on us before going and, and then becoming an episode of Spooks and then becoming <laughs> that movie with... Uh, Elijah Wood and the piano, and then becoming uh, oh, Salt. John and, Cusack one. Yes. Yeah. It becomes all these movies, and it shifts every one of them about every ten minutes when it introduces another twist. What was that called? Grand Piano. Grand Piano. Yes, it, it, was, was, called, yeah. it was called Grand Piano, and I'll tell you something, it was a damn sight better than In Darkness. Yeah, and, and it was a cross between phone booth and a piano. Yeah. yeah. Okay, don't see In Darkness, just go and pay the petrol station three quid for a DVD copy of Grand Piano, which is still rubbish, but I promise you it's infinitely better than In Darkness. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, do you want to go swimming with men? Um, well, I'm, I'm not a big swimmer, not big swimmer, but I've seen film, so... Uh, okay, so you're, you're willing to dip your toe in. Nice. <laughs> well done. Okay, so swimming with men, which comes to us from director Oliver Parker. Um... This is the story about uh, the story about the story of a middle-aged man played by uh, Rob Brydon, who we are told is forty-six years old. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, we're told he's forty-six years old. He's married to uh, what's her name? Jane Horrocks. Jane Horrocks. Thank you. Yeah. Little voice. Um, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was actually going to say he's married to Little Voice. Like, no, it's Jane Horrocks. Jane Horrocks. Right. So he's married to uh, Jane Horrocks, who has become whose, whose career is starting to take off. He's feeling insecure about that, and with her relationship with uh, a male colleague and so he decides he's going to run away from all his troubles his son doesn't like him anyway so he'll just run away from home move into a flat on his own like a, a crappy easy flat kind of a scheme that kind of thing yeah and then he strikes up a friendship with a group of male uh, synchronised swimmers which includes members such as Rupert Graves from Sherlock uh, who else we got? Daniel Mays is another one Adil Akhtar is in there as well yeah. uh, Thomas Thurgood Goose, I think, from uh, uh, the Zingland. Um, 
Jim Carter. Jim Carter, thank you. That's who I couldn't remember. Right. And the idea is, is then that they will set out to win the World International Synchronized Swimming Championships in Milan. 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 In Milan, Milan uh, in several weeks' time. So they have to learn to work together as a unit. So it's so far, so full Monty. Here's a clip. You're collapsing in the middle because you don't have an apex variable. And an Audi convertible. <laughs> Just a bunch of middle-aged men who make funny little patterns in a pole. Go on. No one talks about swim club. This club isn't just synchronised swimming. It's a protest. It's the meaninglessness of life. Against who we've become. Not too many of ageing. How old are you? <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> Should join us in Milan next month for the World Championships. What? Who ever heard of the World Men's Synchronised Swimming Championships anyway? Absolutely not. Pain is weakness, even the body! I'm going to be really honest, I could just have a movie that's just Charlotte Riley yelling at, uh, at, at middle-aged men, and I, I would be very happy with that. I think she's so much fun in this movie. I think she's far and away the most fun thing about yeah. this movie. Um, so, uh, let's say this comes to, comes to us from Oliver Parker, who you just reminded me is the director of uh, the Dad's Army movie. Uh, although, for some reason, when I pull him up on IMDb, it lists his most recent film as... Uh, is that Dorian... Oh, no, Johnny English Reborn. Okay. Right. Hmm. Is that the one that's, oh, that's the second one? Because there was another one coming out, isn't there? There's a third one. Because... Johnny English Strikes Again. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, did you enjoy this? It was okay. It was okay, wasn't it? Was it was okay. It yeah. feels like Full Monty Light in a way that Up and Under was, quite famously. If you remember that one? That was the Samantha Janus one with, like, Mark Addy and Rugby. So... Jimmy Nesbitt? Yes, James Nesbitt was in that, I believe. Was he? No, he's in a prison one, but it's kind of like Full Monty. Oh, yes, yes, he is as like, well. I forget what yeah, that's called. Forget Lucky Strike? Yes, I think it is. And then there's Mean Machine. At the same. Anyway, you, you know, <laughs> we're going in a circle. These kind of like yeah. men men do crazy things. The, the men form yeah. an unlikely team movie. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's it. Um, it's I suppose it's it's fine, this film. It's absolutely fine. It, it kind of is that movie you will watch on Film 4 on a Thursday night at 6.30. Yeah. You know, it's, it, that's exactly what... They this is. Um, don't expect a riotous laugh a minute comedy. It's certainly not sharp as, as the full Monty, for example. <laughs> I watched that last week. It was on BBC One. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, films about groups of men and, and sort of subculty kind of interest, I think Tag arguably did a better job <laughs> than this. Um, but it's perfectly likable. I, I wouldn't yeah. say it's a bad film in any I think, way. I think for the cast, it probably should have been a little bit better. But a, a, again, like, it's not really their fault. It's the material, really. And there you go. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you on that one, totally. So, um, last review then for the week. Mm. Should we talk about Whitney? If we absolutely have to. I, I, I hate Whitney Houston. Really? Yeah. Okay, it's, funny it's, it's, a, it's a thing from my childhood. We went to go see her when I was a kid. Did she when stand I was you up? She was like an hour and 45 minutes late. Yeah, that's all behaviour does come up in this. Yeah, I, I just I have a, I have a vague uh, reminiscence of all Chef Lavinish like <laughs> slow clapping like that, and it turns out the reason why she was late. Yeah, do, 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 do you want to know why? It was something to do with food, wasn't it? Yeah, she ordered all her people ordered a Chinese uh, from her favourite uh, Chinese restaurant in London. Oh, like to be flown to Sheffield. Uh, okay, as, as one does. Uh, yes, that yeah. sort of behaviour does come up in this new documentary, which comes to us um, from Kevin McDonald. Yeah. So, um, you may think, yes, we already had a, a Whitney documentary last year, that one that Nate Broomfield was attached to. Remember, he's his producer on it? Uh, Whitney, Can I Be Me? Yeah. I, yeah. 
Now, I had to rewatch that this week. I, I thought they were the same thing. No, they right. are not. That's why I've had to rewatch that this week. Okay, so this is the official authorised one. That the family have given the, the family have given permission. So it's not really a coincidence then that the family tend to be in it quite a lot and <laughs> are in, a lot more involved in the story in this version of events than in the Broomfield produced one in, in Can I Be Me? Uh, so you know the story, Whitney. Uh, Whitney. Uh, I always said Britney. Whitney. Uh, I said Whitney Spears. What is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> Whitney Houston. Okay, so America's sweetheart, overnight pop sensation, uh, you know, music royalty in a matter of months. And we all know the tragic end of that tale, but here's a clip of the latest documentary. I was sitting in the front row. She just kept nudging me. Get busy! I said, excuse me. She said, yeah. It was just really funny how she said it, like, you know, with this attitude. I was conceited at the time. Listen here. Yeah. They say I'm crazy. I really don't care. So then in walks Bobby Brown. People thought, what's so odd? She's sophisticated and he's unrefined, that Bobby Brown. We from the hood. And Bobby was a black boy from the hood. The type my mother always kept away from her. He's both of her brothers, all rolled into one. So that's a description of Bobby Brown, who, you know, obviously had a whirlwind uh, romance that became a strangely lasting marriage with mm. Whitney Houston, and uh, is regarded as a major component in her... Uh, well, generally, it seemed to be regarded as a major component in what would become her downfall. Um, the film doesn't actually present that. He, he's, he plays a part, but the film does present that, uh, for instance, drugs were a huge part of Whitney Houston's life from a very early age, from before, you know, before she became the Whitney Houston we knew really that it was just something that something that was done um, the film is noticeably I think a little bit more scandalous a little bit more salacious than Can I Be Me was um, and I think a lot of that has to do with simply the the, the more pro- the, the, the raised prominence of the family in the in the story and dealing with for instance uh, Robin Crawford and they specifically look at that relationship in a lot more detail here because I think now it's kind of just widely known that, that, that story but uh, they do give it some uh, long overdue prominence as well um for my money i think it's a better documentary a more enjoy sorry a more enjoyable documentary than can i be me i think can i be me is a stronger documentary but i think this is more engaging more i don't want to say fun because it's not really it's not not really a fun one um but i do think this is i think this is the whitney houston documentary that everyone was sort of waiting for if, you, if, you, if you've ever been waiting for a Whitney Houston documentary, I know you probably... I was waiting for now and 45 minutes to be on stage. I'm not waiting for a documentary. <laughs> you could have had your documentary. You kept me waiting. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, as far as, as uh, films go this week, it's, uh, it's a bit of a strange one, to be honest. Um, I, to be honest, I will give Ideal Home. My, my film cool. of the week, I think. Right. I, I would I would go with that because of everything this week, I think Ideal Home is the one I'd want to watch again. Yeah. I mean, you probably end up watching The First Purge again at some point. Yeah, I don't doubt. The First Purge is something that I know I'll see now when it inevitably comes on Netflix in 18 months, two years' time. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, probably just ahead of Purge 5. Yeah. You know, the second Purge. Yeah. Purge 5. We're, we're, we're going to have, like, the UK Purge or. That's the thing. There's so much room for that series to do yeah. stuff like Purge that. Brexit. Wouldn't you love, like, Japanese Purge? Oh, see yes. Oh, Shogun. Shogun That'd Purge. Be amazing, yes. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we need that. But, like, oh, Australian Purge. Oh. 
Canadian sorry. Canadian purge where everyone's just like everyone's uh, sat around apologising yeah exactly yeah that's it yeah. Oh, I'm sorry I thought about thought about you sorry okay <laughs> it's ten minutes long yeah. <laughs> it was ten minutes long the end yeah. <laughs> right so um, yeah that, that kind of brings it to a close for us this week what have so, we got next week next week there's tons of stuff next week Case tons tons I tell you well, the Incredibles are back next week, being incredible like. Um, Dwayne Johnson's in a skyscraper. Yep. As he's wont to do. Um, Ethan Hawke's first reformed. Right. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan's Hawks. Yeah, they are. Ethan's Ethan Hawks. Yeah, they are first reformed. Um, Matty Shoes is a pass. He Ray- hasn't been in some for a while. Racer and the Jailbird next nice. week. That's a good one for a uh, We have Path of Blood, a documentary about Arcade. Uh, we have Pincushion, which I know nothing about. Although it is distributed by a company called Pinpoint, so... Is this like Hellraiser for kids? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, and we also have the reissue of Vertigo next week. Ooh, really? Well, yes. Vertigo is back in cinemas next week for... Will that be its 70th or 80th anniversary? 70th, I think? Well, it won't be 80th. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, hang on, it would be... 60th? I think it's got to be 60th. 60th. I think it's 60th. Yeah. So we've got all those to come and more next week off-screen. In the meanwhile, this has been Candy Store Production for On Screen. I've been Van Conner. I've been Case Allen. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, Podcast extras where we do news and talk about stuff, and probably Jason Statham will come up. You were, you were going to tell me something about Nicolas Cage. Yes, okay, so Nicolas Cage is has joined the cast mm. of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He Who has, is he uh, playing? He is playing Spider-Man, imaginatively enough. <laughs> yep, wait for it, because I can see the pennies are turning. Right, so if you've seen the trailer, you know that the main character is Miles Morales, right? Who yeah. is the, the sort of current Spider-Man in the, in the universe. Uh, young, uh, mixed-race, black Hispanic yep. kid. Right. Uh, in the story, in the storyline of the movie, it's about how they're crossing over with different timelines and different universe Spider-Mans. He's going to be mentored on his way by Peter Parker, who's Jake Johnston, Johnston as we know. Yeah. Spider-Gwen is a character in it as well. Played by Hayley Steinfeld. Hayley Steinfeld. And now Nicolas Cage has joined the ranks as another Spider-Man, and you're going to love this. He's going to be Spider-Man Noir. <gasps> the steampunk 1933 set Spider-Man. Yes, that is really that is Nicolas Cage. So this year, Nicolas Cage will voice both Superman and Spider-Man. This year, I'm so happy. I thought you might. That's be amazing. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, that is really good. I'm happy about that. Uh, but uh, I'm, man, I'm really excited about that film. Yeah, I am now as well. Actually, it's it's something different. I think they're doing they're doing something different with it, which is nice. And you do kind of sort of think maybe if you did this in live action, yeah. we you know. Around the time of the Andrew Garfield era, then maybe we could have had something, but never mind. So, what else have we got in the news, Mr. Allen? Um, we have news about Top Gun the Second, Top Gunnier. Top Gunnier, two top, two gun? Yes, that's cool. what we're going for for title. <laughs> in fact, no, because it's called Top Gun Maverick, which it is, is a bit yeah. boring, but it's, it's fine. So, um, we were talking a while ago that they're looking for someone to play uh, Goose's son. Yes, didn't son they, of Goose. Didn't they have. What, what, what is a Goose's baby called? I don't know. Du- uh, oh, a gosling. Gosling. Oh, oh yes. Is yeah. it? Oh, is that a... It is a gosling. Yeah, it's a gosling. Yeah, yeah. It's a gosling. Yeah, so... yeah, because we call Ryan Gosling Baby Goose sometimes. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been great then if Ryan Gosling had been cast as 
Some yeah. kids. Yeah. He might be a little bit too old. Might be old now. He could have been like his younger brother. Or I do know that one of the contenders was a certain Mr. Glenn Powell. Yes. As, as we discussed, I yes. think. That, uh, I was, oh, no, he, I discussed it with Kelly last week. Oh, but we, 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 we discussed it, it yeah. as well. Yeah, um, and he would have been perfect because he looks more like uh, Auntie Edwards than pretty much anyone else. He didn't get it. He didn't. You know what my, my real question is, by the way? But, How far down the casting uh, process did Garrett Hedlund get this time? <laughs> But, he, d- uh, he did his uh, his Captain Hook. Did his Captain Hook again, and they this. were like, "Please stop calling us, Garrett. This isn't working out." Just hey, he's good in Mudbound. He's fine. He's good. He's fine. In... Mudbound. Yeah, yeah. Else is in uh, Four Brothers <laughs> on the road. Oh yeah. yeah, I had forgotten by the way until recently um, that he was the villain in Death Sentence. Yes, he is. That uh, because obviously <laughs> I rewatched that after Death Wish got remade. Because I was like, well, I just want to watch this movie, but done better. So I watched Death, Death Sentence. But, uh, yeah, so yeah. Um, who is the Gosling in question, then? Your number one favourite working thespian, oh. Miles Teller. Oh, God, this is not Army Hammer. Um, okay, so Miles Teller. Uh, I, don't, I still don't see an issue with Army Hammer. That's just you. Okay, no, that's, that's fine. That's between me, him, and the peach. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Miles Teller. Eh. I... I mean, it, it looked like yeah. because he's worked with the director um, Joe uh, Kaczynski. Joe Kaczynski, yeah, I think um, so. They did uh, Only the, the Brave, Brave together, yeah. which prime yeah. rolling, just prime rolling mm. in there. However, oh. we have got Valley Kilmers. Yes, Valley Kilmers, he he's is back. in there. Um, potentially, Meg Ryan might be back. Really, that'd be interesting. That actually makes if they've got his son in it, it makes sense that Meg Ryan could come back. But yeah, uh, yeah even they don't look anything alike. But whatever, it's fine. <laughs> don't worry um, about it. I don't know if you've heard this story. Christopher McQuarrie said he won't do, won't ever do a Star Wars movie because of the fan base. I did hear, but yeah, I yeah, mean, fair. you can't blame him. Yeah, absolutely fair. And, and to yeah. be fair, the fan base need to learn that. that he's, that's he's an amazing franchise director and filmmaker. But he's been very smart to not do any DC or Marvel stuff or Star Wars things. Yeah, to, to choose a franchise that, like, if the next Mission Possible isn't great, people wouldn't be like, "How dare you ruin the film?" Like, you know what I mean? Like, people's exactly. not gonna, not gonna go crazy for it. Have you uh, seen the uh, Ahmed Best story that's been doing the rounds? It's been quite popularised the last couple of days. No. So Ahmed Best has uh, marked that next year will be the anniversary of uh, of. Star Wars Episode 1, and has said it's 20 years next year mm. since I was driven to near suicide. Yeah, yeah, I did see this, actually. And mm. uh, posted some quite meaningful pictures um, of himself and his young son on a bridge. I came to this bridge once when the entire fan base turned on me. And, uh, yeah, we don't want to think of it, because wow. we all we all ragged on, on Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, but it got um, really hateful. Yeah, and I was never quite on board with the really, really hateful stuff. But he he was a terrible character, but he wasn't quite uh, uh, quite as bad as the fan base would have you believe. But then again, as history has now shown us, I don't think the Star Wars fan base have ever really been the most balanced lot. So mm. there's that. So um, have you heard, uh, I don't know if you heard the skyscraper is set to become the highest grossing original movie of this year. Yeah, because no original movies. <laughs> yeah, they've all been banned. Um, be- because China, because China. Yeah, well, the, the China is going to make a boatload of money in China anyway. Yeah. Um, it's going to be uh, one of the few films to ever get released during the the black spot, as it were, the the uh, the quiet period over the summer where they don't tend to release American films. Mm. Uh, Skyscraper has been granted a uh, rare release window there. This is a similar thing for. Um uh, for San Andreas as well. I'm not sure, maybe, quite possibly. That, that did insane numbers for the kind of film. That did really well, but that was, a, to be fair, Dwayne Johnson's 
really good at picking projects because he seems to know what works with global audiences. He is, but then something like Ramp- like Rampage didn't do that well. Didn't do that well, but it's I, I feel like Rampage was probably the most specifically Western targeted audience that he's done for a film in some time. Yeah, like even possibly. Jumanji has more more grasp overseas than something like it uh, does, Rampage yeah. does. But uh, yeah, so we can look forward to. Uh, we can look forward to uh, the uh, the likes of Skyscraper to be dominating mm. later this week. So it comes uh, out summer. next week, so we're talking about it then. But, well, we'll be talking about it next week, but I say we'll, we'll definitely be having a conversation in, what, about four or five weeks' time? Oh, it's made a billion dollars, and then it might probably hit maybe 1.5, something like that. Then we'll get Skyscraper. Skyscraper 2, yeah. yeah, Skyscraper 2 Veranda. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> skyscraper 3, look at my porch. Yeah. Skyscraper 2, fire escape. <laughs> Fire escaper. <laughs> um, well, that's literally what it is. It's Die Hard on Fire, isn't it? It's Towering Inferno. Yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's yeah, it's it's under fi- un- under flaming. I don't know, like under siege, but under fire. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty you, sure under you, fire. You know, they're going to remake Under Siege at some point. Oh, of course, they're going to remake Under Siege. I think just do executive decision again. I feel like that's. Look, I think, honestly, we should just find an up-and-coming young star who needs a franchise. Mm. So let's, for argument's sake, let's say Scott Adkins, right? We take Scott Adkins and we create a cinematic universe based entirely around him. And the idea is they simply take old Steven Seagal movies, rewrite them ever so slightly so that they fit into one coherent continuity. (laughs) So get rid of Ponytail. And it's just Scott Adkins. Scott Adkins stars in all the Steven Seagal movies as the same character. That makes sense. And his name has to be Steve. Just yeah. for, for yeah. Steve at wins. No, his name is Steve Gall, and his initial is C. So he's Steve, he's Steve C. Gall. There you go. That's that's my plan. That's, that's what I would do with Scott Adkins, and that's why I'm not happy with him just being a second string in a Marvel movie. Mm. But uh, um, have you heard about this uh, Scarlett Johansson film that is uh, just being put? Together? I wanted to hear you. I wanted to hear this because I've not really read about it. Okay. Um, am, I, am I to imagine there is a Ghost in the Shell style scenario going on again? Yeah, poor. Paul Scarjo, really. Um, Who's yeah. pitching at these things? I know. It's crazy. Well, right. The film is called Rub and Tug, which is a hilarious title. Yes, it is. Um, it's set in the 70s. It's going to be directed by Rupert Sanders, who directed Ghost in Michelle. Yes, good course, yeah. Um, yeah, it's about uh, someone called uh, Jean-Marie uh, uh, Gill, who uh, flourished in the male-based uh, illicit industries of massage parlours and prostitution <laughs> by taking on the physical identity of a man. Right. So far, so interesting. The real rub yeah, mm-hmm. in this is that uh, she was playing a trans character. Yeah. A real-life trans person. So people aren't particularly happy about that. No. Uh, there's also the fact that, I'm sorry, you, you'd have to pull... I've, I've seen the person in question, and uh, they, they weigh an awful lot more than Scarlett Johansson could realistically pull off. Like, you, you'd have to be putting prosthetics on her, and it would look a bit silly. Mm. But uh, yeah, I would admit that might be badly cast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, strange decisions, by the way, um, <laughs> Paramount are so in love with the idea of doing a Quiet Place too. They are, yeah, right. They really, really want to do it, but they have to. And I said they will hold off until John Krasinski's free. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll wait for you, John. Yeah, so, so that's it. So we can. They want to keep some quality in there. Mm. Um, we've said we'll do it whenever you're ready. 
Yeah, I mean, I should mention that they do this kind of thing with Michael Bay every time they need a new Transformers movie. It doesn't always turn out great. Mm. But, I find it interesting mm, that Platinum Dunes produces this as well. Yeah, I know, because it's... Well, didn't Michael Bay put out a tweet saying, like, the, the first 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating Platinum Dunes had ever gone? Yeah. Like, yeah, because it's the first good movie you've made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, weird, weird story for me personally. You know how I love Snowpiercer? I haven't mentioned it. Has it ever come up? A couple of times. A couple yeah. of times. You've, uh, you've never seen it at a cinema, have you? Never, never on a big screen? No, never no. seen Snowpiercer on a big screen. Yeah, wouldn't that be a nice? Uh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? See Snowpiercer <laughs> on a big screen. But, uh, yeah, so, okay, so um, they're making the TV adaptation of Snowpiercer. They, well, they're trying to. Well, they're trying to, yeah. <laughs> right, so they've had the showrunner quit on it. Mm. Uh, the script was uh, written, who wrote the, right, it, it, the pilot was to be directed, was directed, sorry, by Scott Derrickson. Right, who of course brought us Doctor uh, Strange, a bunch of horror films, exactly. And the script is written by uh, Josh Friedman, who wrote uh, Black Dahlia, <laughs> who wrote uh, Spielberg's version of War of the Worlds. And right, the idea is um, <laughs> the uh, studio behind it, which I think is TNT, have filmed this pilot. They've got Scott Derrickson directing. Uh, they've got a script by Josh Friedman. They filmed the pilot. Stars Jennifer Connelly. Stars uh, David Diggs. That's it, David Diggs. Thank you. I was going to call him David Diggs then. And, <laughs> Stars Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Well, they have now decided that uh, they need to change some things rather significantly. So they've tossed out Josh Friedman's script, rewritten it, and have then gone to Scott Derrickson and asked him to come back and, and do the reshoots. Rather significant reshoots that he still has said no. Because that script he wrote was the best thing I'd ever read. No. Hmm. And uh, that's where they currently stand, so they're going to have to find uh, a new director. Hmm. So uh, That's a shame. I like him a lot. It seemed like he was really uh, on board for that project. He was into it, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did seem... He seemed interested. Hmm. Um, I've got some news about a project that's really exciting me now. Okay, go on. What is it? I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, It's a film um, that's just been put together uh, called Waves. And it's going to be uh, a new um, uh, musical, new okay. drama I've musical. not heard of this, no. It comes from uh, Trey Edward Schultz, who did Ooh. It Comes at Night. Yes, he did. Yeah, um, which I, I, I enjoyed quite a lot. I was a fan, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan. It, it, was, it was a bit like a Marmite film, I thought. Like a lot of people... Yes, I yeah. thought that as well, to be honest. Quite a, uh, yeah. yeah, like divisive ending. Um, <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah, so it's going to be about, um, well, the... The strapline for it says um, it's about uh, an energetic, well, it is uh, an energetic, uh, effective anthem of contemporary teenage life. It is about two young couples who navigate the emotional minefield of growing up and falling in love. So far, the two people that are going to be in it, Lucas Hedges. Ooh, okay, yes. And Sterling K. Brown. Oh, well... Yeah. I mean, that's that's good casting. And right now, the people looking at doing the score... Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Okay, so this movie's going to be great. That's, I, that's what I, we're saying. So okay, in. so you got you got Lucas Hedges, you got you got Ceiling K Brown, you got those. This is just just going to be great, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, in. in. Absolutely in. Um, speaking of in, uh, apparently Rafe Spall has joined the new Men in Black film. Yes, as has Kumail Nanjiani. Yes, Kumail. We talked. I said Kelly and I talked about that last week because he's playing Pawnee. An Pawnee. alien called Pawnee. Nice. Which I presume to be a reference to the pawn shop, you know, yeah. Tony Shalhoub's character, yeah. Um, uh, apparently there's no acknowledgement, one way or the other, about Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones yet, by the way. Oh. Uh, so it's not outside the realm of possibility yet that we could get cameos, we could get, you know, appearances. Just, just mention and so Yeah. This, well, this one, is it set in England? It or? seems to be set in England. But it, they're it, not necessarily English agents. Well, I don't know, because they've got Liam Neeson as the boss. 
Tessa Thompson, yes. we know, has done that accent before. We know, we know, great. Yeah, we know Chris Hemsworth does it all the time as Thor, mm. arguably. Um, he could do English quite Yeah. Good. Rafe Spall is the villain. Is it? No, sorry, not Rafe Spall is the villain. Sorry, Rafe Spall was the villain in Jurassic World. Sorry, it was oh, really. I was going to say, he'd um, been villain again. That would, that, would, that would be a good villain. He really would. I think for this, I, I didn't particularly like him as a villain for Jurassic World, but no. something like this would probably work. Well, Rafe Spall's joining as well as, <laughs> this, this amused me, street dancing duo, Lay Twins. Le Twins. Le Twins. Le Twins. Laurent Nico- Nicolas Bourgeois and Larry Nicolas Bourgeois. <laughs> wow. Sorry, what, what's the Laurent first, what's and the, Larry. What's the first one called? Laurent. 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 Laurent and Larry. Excellent. They are Les Twins. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Apparently they're making a, a secret Roe v. Wade movie, by the way. I don't, I don't know much about this. There's something going on that there's like been a secret project being filmed. I have no idea what that is. About Roe v. Wade. So it would be... So in other words, there is a secret studio film being made about abortion in America right now. <sighs> Ooh, oh, God, I hope it stars Meryl Streep. <laughs> Please, let it star Meryl Streep. Speaking of Meryl Streep... Oh, segue! Oh, have you heard about the next film that Greta Gerwig is potentially putting together. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Please spill it on me, because I think I know, but I don't. Go on. She is lining up an, an adaptation of Little Women. Okay, fair which enough. Which has obviously been done a few times before. 25 years ago was the last one? Uh, well, there was one for BBC um, about oh, right. a year ago, which was pretty decent, but I think the biggest one, the most memorable one, was 25 Winona. years ago. Winona Ryder, mm. Susan Sarandon, um, Christian Claire, Bale. Claire Dames, Christian Bale. Young Chris yeah. Bale in there, man. Young Chris Bale. Um, yeah, she's, she's lining this up with a pretty amazing cast. Who's she got? Okay, so um, the like matriarchal figure, Mel Street. Meryl Natch, yeah. That makes sense. And then from there on in, it's just like, well, of course that's who you get. And when you're Greta Gerwig, it makes sense. So um, the, the Christian Bale, I, I forget the dude's name, um, uh, Timothy Chalamet. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. We're starting strong. We're starting strong. That's, that's who you get. Uh, Saoirse Ronan, which makes Naturally, sense. Naturally, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Um, Got an Oscar. Yeah, that's cool. Florence Pugh. No way. Yeah, I knew okay. you'd like that. Uh, Meryl. Meryl? Oh, we got Meryl. Uh, yeah. And Emma Stone. Good Lord. This and is then a- they're, they're just looking for uh, um, another actress um, that I believe will be playing the role that, uh, that Kirsten Dunst played, which is the, the youngest uh, sister. Okay, one of us really needs to watch, watch or read Little Women. Or something. No, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen Little Women. I've not read it. It's, it's really great. I only I saw it like two years ago. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Yeah, I just can't remember any of the character names. <laughs> they just sort of gone. Uh, speaking of characters whose names you don't particularly need to know because they change so often, uh, Charlie's Angels? You talk about that? We do, yeah. Well, you can tell me about that, sir. Well, we've got our Angels... We've got yeah. uh, we've got Blue Peter Nyong'o, as you've pointed out before. <laughs> uh, we also have Kristen Stewart, and now we have our third angel. We have Ms. Naomi Scott, ladies and gentlemen. That works. So Princess Jasmine's going to be an angel. That's cool. And then it's directed uh, by Elizabeth Banks. Yes, I know. Yeah, that's I'm, cool. I'm really waiting to see who the villain turns out to be for this, actually. Sam Rockwell again. <laughs> get, get Sam Rockwell. But I, I kind of feel, though... It needs to be someone with. I think it needs to be an impressive female villain. I think I, mm. I, I would. I would like to see I, that. I would prefer that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had a female villain for uh, Full Throttle. Yeah, they did. It wasn't yeah. great. Wasn't great. And uh, well, basically, it was so long ago that you know a Demi Moore movie did actually come with a Bruce Willis cameo. That's how long ago <laughs> it was. I mean, I mean, when was the last time she was in a film? 
When was Rough Night? That was last year, wasn't it? Rough Night? She's in, yeah. Yeah. I mean, She's the, one of the swingers with the Tyler. Ty, Ty, I, I got half an hour into that film and I turned it off. Really? Yeah, I could not finish it. Um, do you know what the uh, film this week for uh, um, How Did This Get Made is? No, what is it? Striptease. Oh, hells yes, I am watching that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the striptease, I've seen that in years. Uh, do you know what I watched? Actually, speaking of Demi Moore, and I watched this on, on Sky Cinema like late one night last week. G.I. Uh, Jane? Sorry? G.I. Jane? No, no, no. I thought you, I th- you almost had it like it was the juror. Oh, really? Right, start with like Alec Baldwin yeah. as the villain. And because we don't think about this, but you know, in the 1990s, I, actually, I did. I'm sure I had this conversation with Kelly last week. Sorry, I'm repeating. It's all right. Be good. You know, had it. Uh, yeah, but during the 1990s, Alec Baldwin starred in a lot of period pieces. Hmm. So we never really got to see, you know, of the moment 1990s Alec Baldwin. No, I mean, he's, he's the Bruce Wayne, but we never had. Yeah, he really. is the Bruce Wayne we never had. But, oh, God, that would be an amazing Batman. I mean, even now, I'd still watch Alec Baldwin be Batman. But uh, for different reasons, this is going to be funny as hell. But um, but yeah, him him in, in the nineties with his his V neck sweater and his yeah. white round neck t shirt, the leather jacket. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Terrible movie though, absolutely terrible movie. But because uh, <laughs> apparently people can just bugger off to uh, Nicaragua all the time. Nicaragua, uh, Nicaragua. I think it was Nicaragua or something like that, digging up Mayan pyramids. But uh, yes, okay. So, um, by the way, I don't. This is a bit of news about uh, about Charlie's Angels that I didn't know. In addition to uh, directing <coughs> it, Elizabeth Banks will also appear in the film as Bosley. I was just going to say, is she Lady Bosley? She's Lady Bosley. I was going to say that. Yeah, she is. That makes sense. That's, that's brilliant. That's isn't cool. It? Yeah, I like that a lot. But I kind of like it because, as well, I mean, Bosley was always depicted as being kind of stuffy and middle aged. Yeah, and. Not liking Lucy Liu. And not, not liking Lucy Liu. Yeah. yeah, and like adopting uh, Shia LaBeouf and things like that. Yeah. That's, that's how these things roll. And, and then he's, is Bernie Mac in the second one? Yes, Bernie Mac, is in, Bernie Mac takes over in the second movie as the adopted brother of Bosley. Because the Bosleys just take over the job when one dies. Right, And then sense. they adopt Shia LaBeouf who's going to be, the, in that movie, yeah. who's going to be the next Bosley, it's, it's implied. Right. What's that happening, Angels? I love Bernie Mac in that movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, Elizabeth Banks is going to be uh, Bosley, so... Yeah, I like that. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm following that project. I will see who'll be the villain. I will. I, I think it has, to, it has to be a... Yeah, a woman, a lady. It's got to be. got to be. I think I, if you can't make a Charlie's Angels movie decidedly, fe- you know, uh, female with its cast... What have we got left? I don't know, but uh, I, f- I feel like we need someone like and like a like a like a carte blanche or oh yes, yeah. or Kate Blanchett in full Thor Ragnarok mode. Yeah. Oh god, I'd watch the hell out of that. <gasps> Can we just also point out, by the way, that according to our, our tweeter earlier, that um, they need to be seen to be eating at some point as well, mm. but like proper bites of food. We we, we need this. We need we need we this need Lupita Nyong'o having like some shawarma. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally needs to happen. Yeah, I need, yeah. like, Kristen Stewart with a pot noodle. Mm. I need to see these people eating food. But, uh, Could we get Tilda Swinton as a villain? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny, though, if it was Tilda Swinton in train wreck mode as a villain? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's worth the ticket on its own. <laughs> She's so good in that. <laughs> I love Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Do you know, I, I fall into this pattern where, uh, because I always have the, the telly on when I'm working at home, um, and I leave it on disgusted cinema and occasionally if something's really rubbish on, I'll flick it over. But other than that, I just leave it. I must have watched Doctor Strange, like, <laughs> three dozen times this year. Yeah. 
and still good. I still love it, and I still think Tilda Swinton's great in it. So, uh, final piece of film news. I mean, uh, this is what one that I don't know if you want to Oh, man, this. yeah. Oh, I completely forgot about this. Oh, so please, you, you tell me then what it was, because I've not read the specifics yet. So, um, Jim Carrey is in negotiations to be in uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, live-action movie animation hybrid cool. film. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Who, yeah. who, who would you have him as? Who, which which character would you? Have well, I'd imagine him? he's he's gonna be Doctor Robotnik, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, Eggman or Doctor? Yeah, that was ridiculous. Doctor yeah. Eggman. Yeah. What? Robotnik. Yeah, Robotnik. It's robot with Mik on the end. How yeah. difficult is that? Eggman? That is the <laughs> stupidest silly. thing. That's that's Fast and Furious Five Rio Heist right yeah. there. Uh, is that, 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 hey, that is when the franchise started becoming great. <laughs> Just <laughs> uh, funnily enough, Fast and Furious producer Neil H. Morris is also producing the Sonic movie. So who's the director for this? Uh, the director is Jeff Fowler, and it will be his debut film. Yeah. So I'm because not- Tim Miller was attached to some, but is he just being like a producer or is a writer? I or- think he, I think he is a producer. Um, they've also, I mean, they've got in the cast already. They've got James Marsden and Tika Sumter from uh, was it Southside with You, the Obama? Oh yeah. Romantic drama. She's. I mean, to be honest with you, it's rubbish film. But uh, <laughs> you know what? It. You know what was better? The <coughs> first, the first Ride Along movie that was better, and she's in that. So there you go. So it'll be Tika Sumter from Ride Along One, and to a lesser extent, Ride Along Two, which is Crazy. worth seeing only because it's got Benjamin Pratt as a villain. And that's mm. an amazing thing. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be in more films. He needs to be in more. He needs to be more villains. Is what Benjamin Pratt needs. He doesn't right. age. He doesn't at all, does he? Oh, 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 hang on. Amazing news. Gotta tell you this one. Comic Con this year. Mm. Right. What's it the anniversary of this year? DC releasing a good film. Uh, no, that's. No, that's, <laughs> that's 30 years next year. Sorry. Anyway. Oh, so um, I'll get excited for that. <laughs> get excited for the anniversary of Batman next year. Uh, I'm kidding. We all know that first Batman isn't that great. It's all, ba- all about Batman Returns. What is it? Anyway, okay. <laughs> so this year is the 25th anniversary. Of Demolition Man. Get in. Get in. So, to celebrate, Comic-Con have arranged for a special Demolition Man-themed Taco Bell. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> They're actually... Open. They have replicated the Taco Bell from Demolition Man. They're going to be giving away, quote, exclusive Demolition Man merchandise. That's so amazing. I want one of those dizzy sticks yeah, yeah. that they, they, they knock people out with. But uh, yeah, I that, love that film. That movie's so good, isn't it? Yeah, that that movie is just amazing. Sandra Bullock is so much fun. Wesley Snipes is the ultimate villain. Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt's in it, not aging. It's got it's a movie so good. It's got Dennis Leary in him in it, and at the height of his fame, being allowed to simply ad lib being Dennis Leary. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure the rant he throws off is from his stand-up show, No Cure for Cancer. But, uh, yeah, we don't be fan mm. of it. But, uh, yeah, possibly the best Stallone movie, Demolition Man. But, uh, oh, it's definitely... It, it'd be in it's my, up there. It, it would be in my five. It, it, yeah, yeah, he's in the five, isn't it? Yeah. It's up there with, like, Rocky Four and Rocky Three. I would have... Actually, my, my, my five could be, like... Three Rocky films. Yeah, quite, I quite think easily. I go with three and four. Those, those are because they're the stupid ones that I love. Right, so much. Okay, I will. I will go one and four. Fair. fair I love four for the stupidity. I love one just because it's that must be absolute you. masterpiece. Yeah. Um, I would say Copland. Ooh. Okay. All right. I'll go Demolition Man. It's always there's always some 
cocktail party goer who's just got to bring yeah. up Cotland. You know, oh, sorry. <laughs> What's Love your me five? some James Mangold. What's your what, five? What is my fifth? Stop or my mum will shoot. Yeah. Of course it is. Everyone loves Stop or my mum will shoot. Because I love Golden Girls. So <laughs> when Golden Girls and Stallone combine... Is it a Stelgetti? Yeah, it is. the Golden yeah. Girls and Stop or my mum will shoot. God, that movie sucked. In a great way. Oh, God. And then didn't he follow up with Oscar? His attempt at a mock- Oscar, Oscar being my five. Oscar is an amazing film. Would it really? Do you not love Oscar? No! Oh, I love Oscar so I mean, much. It came out when I was nine years old, and it was just this weird attempt by Stallone to do comedy that didn't quite work. It felt and, like. And you, did you talk about this when you were nine? No, I didn't talk like this when I was nine. It was mostly just, yeah, he's still alone. But, you know, okay, maybe not that young. But it was more like, can Next I watch this alone? Next time we have a film night. All right, we'll watch Oscar. We'll watch Oscar. We'll watch Oscar. All right, okay. Because I think when you're older, yeah. you just... It's it's like, it's like a French farce. Okay, well... I'm gonna it's like you... a French farce or like an, a 90-minute episode of Frasier. Okay, I'm going to dismantle your, uh, your Oscar and I'm going to counter you with Over the Top. <laughs> The Sylvester yeah. Stallone oh, arm wrestling movie. Yeah, a true. movie so inept, right. they can't even figure out what his name's meant to be. Best Stallone films. Are you literally putting that into Google? Yes, I am. Okay. What have we got? Right. This, I mean... <sighs> what have we got? Have you actually got oh, results for this? Oh, my God. This... No? Right. Y- yeah. Look, there's, there's a whole list. Right. Oh, there's a whole list. Okay. Rocky. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. First Blood. Fair, fair. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, Expendables, uh, Rocky Balboa, which is which is a very good film. Uh, oh, yes, it is. Yeah, Rocky Four, Cliffhanger. Okay, are you on this top tens list at the top of this page? Is, is that one? Um, possibly. I think so. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, I've, I've, I've got more. Oh no, I've here. got different. Yeah, I've got a different um, ones too. Uh, Over top, Creed was oh, amazing in Creed. Yeah, he's um, good in Creed. Cobra, which is not a good film, but fun because <laughs> it's terrible. Can we just take a second to appreciate that his name in that movie is Marion Cobretti? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lock Up. Lock. I love Lock Up. Yeah, Lock Up. You know where he fights Donald Sutherland in a prison? Yep. Yeah. Um. Tango and Cash. Oh, what a film. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's so naff. Uh, cliffhanger? Yeah, cliffhanger worth? Fist, which I've not seen, but apparently it's amazing. Um, oh, Nighthawks, which my mother-in-law literally told me about at Christmas. She said it's incredible, so I do need to watch it. Um, Daylight? Do you remember Daylight? Oh, I went to the cinema to see yeah. Daylight. It was like when like Volcano and those kind of films are out. Uh, Daylight was out, and the reason I saw it at the cinema with my dad Paradise in 96 is yeah. because he refused to see Star Trek First Contact. Well, it was full, because that's a great film. I know, I know, I know. Uh, so, so, so much sense made there. Uh, Rhinestone with uh, Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah, Oscar did make this list. Oscar's great, man. Did you ever see Driven? His attempt to do Days of Thunder. Yeah. That was bad. Okay, they're cheating now because someone's put Guardians of the Galaxy two on here. He's in it. He's a character. Yeah, yeah and he's yeah. he's got like three scenes if you count post credits. So it's it's kind of more than a cameo, really. It's, oh uh, look, his porn is on here. His porn is on this list. Really? Yeah, the party at Kitty and Studs. Excellent. Yeah, he it, directed Staying Alive. Lest we forget, he did. He did direct Staying Alive, didn't he? He is one of the ants in ants. In ants. Yeah, isn't he Woody Allen's best friend? Yeah, he's he's the big the pinch big, one. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Almost like I realised the last time I saw uh, Rocky Balboa, which was a couple of months ago, that I had uh, seen the movie and quoted his uh, courtroom monologue scene so many times mm. that it now reduces me to laughter when I uh, when I hear it. Um, oh, oh, two that I quite like, and these these were released quite close together: Assassins and The Specialist. 
Yeah. Yeah, because Assassins was that weird point when we couldn't decide whether... Antonio Banderas. Yeah, we couldn't decide if Antonio Banderas was going to be the next big action star or something else. And then we settled on something else. (laughs) We settled on Zorro. (laughs) Yeah, we settled on Zorro and then something else, really, wasn't it? Um, And then the specialist was basically uh, Stallone v. Eric Roberts. So (laughs) Yeah, because Eric Roberts hadn't been in a film that week. No, he hadn't. And Sharon Stone needed something to do. Also, there's a love scene with gratuitous nudity because it starred Sharon Stone in the early 1990s. So, of course, it did. Of course, she's going to get him. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I just remember that movie for having this really gratuitous uh, behind a shower screen Sylvester Stallone ass shot. <laughs> yeah. Because that was his signature. You remember that being his signature for a while? Mm. Like, Stallone always had to get his ass cheeks out of the movie. Like, Demolition Man yeah. had to have that prolonged... And they, they were his own cheeks as well. Did oh, not, yeah. Did not have a double. No, no, no. Um, but really, the question is, who's who's got who's got a better filmography? Is it is it him or is it, is it Arnie? <laughs> I was going to say, it's the cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> who's got the better filmography? The cheeks. <laughs> Surely Stallone did more films than Arnie. In what, in what sense? She must have. He must have done more films than Arnie. We're just going on the same Google list. Okay. So let's, let's go through Schwarzenegger's. Okay. So, cool. Schwarzenegger, first yep. one, Terminator. Classic. 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 Great film. Great it's film. a great movie. Total Recall. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. If it, you find me someone who does not like Total Recall, I will find you someone who's full of shit. Yeah. Okay? I, I, will, no, no. I will present you a liar. <laughs> um, this we have seen together, and I think, I think we know we, we love it so much. Which one? Predator. Oh, we love Predator. On, I, I could watch Predator right now. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> Terminator 2, Judgment Day. My favourite movie ever. Masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece of cinema, yes it is. Uh, Commando. Uh, yeah, yeah, Commando I love. Let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is, what was it? it? It should be called Girl George. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the best spy films of all time. True Lies. Oh, yes, of course. Come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Conan and Barbarian, and also Destroyer as well, but... Uh, was it Conquer Your Enemies? <laughs> have their women... Uh, was it uh, Decimate Their Women and Think Their Lamentations? I yeah. forget. Um, the Running Man. So, really, maybe maybe Arnie. Oh, actually, because after this point, it all gets a bit... So well, that's the thing. <laughs> running Man, <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. Oh, I love Kindergarten Cop. So you got Cop. all these... Last Action Hero, which I love... Oh, did you know, I watch that last week? Really? I did. It was on, it was on Scrap Cinema film. in the day last film. week, and I watched way more of it than I needed to. And <laughs> uh, I, I I love that movie. Also... F. Murray Abraham. I had to look up what became of Austin O'Brien after I watched it. Is he the kid? The kid, yeah. Tragic? Uh, well, first of all, he only ever actually starred in about seven movies. Um, he's now a fairly successful photographer. Mm. Yeah. You wouldn't think it, but he, he is. He's done some acting in, like, I think on TV shows since, but yeah. Sorry, please continue. Okay. Um, Red Heat. Oh, Red Heat. With Valesha. You are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, Last Stand, a recent one. I liked that I like, Last Stand. It was yeah, goofy fun, wasn't that's it? That's his first one after leaving office, wasn't it? That was his, no, that was the one. That was the one where Wilson and I were sat next to some dude on his phone, and he told us he was allowed to keep checking his phone because his daughter was in intensive care. Yeah. At 10 o'clock on a Friday morning when he decided to go and see a film. Maybe he did something to take his mind off it. Yeah, well, yeah, but you, you wouldn't sit there with your phone on the whole time. Your heartless bastard, let's move on. Okay. Terminator 3, Rise of uh, Machines. Yeah. Good ending. Yeah. Great ending, actually. Great yeah. ending, yeah, good ending. Ballsy. Yeah, um, uh, Pumping Iron. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> He's coming. <laughs> I love that movie so much. <laughs> 
<laughs> the pumping to me is, is like coming. Yes. When you, have, when you have sex, woman, like you have sex, you coming. How high is he at one point in that movie? It's brilliant. <laughs> um, Terminator Jellyfish. Uh, uh, Batman and Robin. Oh. Escape Plan. Yeah, yeah, there's Escape Plan. Yeah, that wasn't bad. I uh, I like Escape Plan more, especially more in eyes that I've seen the sequel, but. You know, we'll we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Yes, so we'll talk about Escape Plan Two, Hades, <laughs> in mere weeks. Uh, jingle all the way. I mean, Give me Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Put the cookie down. Well, that's that's uh, that's Kindergarten Cop, isn't it? Is it no, no, that's when he's on the phone with the uh, Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, yeah, because he's yeah. got the cookies. Yeah. Oh, Kindergarten so Cop good. is. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Um, it's not a tumor. <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> End of days. Oh, Gabriel Byrne? Is he, he fights Gabriel Byrne. And I want to just point out, he has the greatest char- action movie character name of any movie ever. Which is? Jericho Kane. Yes. I mean, that is flat out biblical, yes, son. man. Uh, the sixth day. Uh, yeah. I think you should clone yourself so you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hercules in New York which I believe was his first uh, that, theatrical film I isn't believe? that when he's, he's, he's credited as Arnold Strong yes yeah. collateral damage it's one of the lesser later ones I, I feel like if 9-11 hadn't happened and they still released that movie I, I think we still would remember it as being a bit weak yeah I think so like, I, I think blaming it on the on the delay after 9-11 is a bit weird but okay uh, Sabotage I think we spoke about recently yeah thanks Keith Lemon um, the Expendables films um, Junior <laughs> my, and... nipple, my nipples are this <laughs> and twins <laughs> for the first time in my life I'm truly pissed off <laughs> <laughs> I mean some some great ones and uh... <laughs> Yeah, but then he's, there's uh, films like Aftermath, uh, Maggie. Oh, Aftermath yeah, and Maggie, be, those are the be, dramatic be ones. more like they? dramatic indie films. And... Yeah, Aftermath was with Scoot McNary, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was, yeah. When Scoot McNary was the air traffic controller. So he's, uh, he's, had, he's had quite the career, so I, I don't. I don't know. Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle the argument as to who had more films, okay? <laughs> Actually, you know what? The rate Van Damme turns out directed DVD films these it's days. Just Van Damme's kick, that's it, no film, done. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Splits land on the counters in the kitchen. Isn't that how he got his, his first his break? What someone saw his buns? No, uh, the story famously goes that when they were producing Predator, when they were, they were getting ready to produce Predator, uh, Van Damme broke into the lobby of was it WMA or somewhere like that, uh, where he knew Joel Silver was going to be. Mm. Just ran up to him with security chasing him, and then just dropped and did the splits in front of him. And <laughs> You're going to be a star, kid. <laughs> it's pretty much <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and then uh, cast him as the Predator, which obviously he then quit. Yeah. So uh, wow. Yeah. There you go, see Van Damme, there's uh, Split actually got his career going. And then, of course, you've got the gratuitous scene in Time Cop when he uh, does the splits to avoid being electrocuted, if I remember Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a film. Fire the taser at your wet floor. <laughs> now yeah. you will do the splits. <laughs> Curse your sudden splits. Yeah, and his little uh, white, tight ways. Oh, and the, yeah. the villain in that film, lest we forget. Oh, actor-activist, Ron, Ron Silver. Silver. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right, okay. Stallone has actually done, has actually got more credits to his name than Schwarzenegger. Now, but we're looking at quality as well. We're we are at looking it. at quality. Now, uh, it is worth noting that Stallone's are padded, uh, sorry, uh, Schwarzenegger's are padded a bit as well. Yeah. Because a few of these are like filming, oh, cameos they're announced, they're in pre production. Um, these are, there are 65 credits. And that includes The Legend of Conan, which is probably never going to happen. Never going to happen. Was yeah. it called King Conan at one point? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think that was around the time of... Then I think they, did, they planned it as King Conan, then they started planning it with Dwayne Johnson taking over, and then they moved it back to Conan. But, yeah. Um, so, 65 for, for Schwarzenegger. For Stallone. And he's also got, you know, there's some padding on this. Uh, 81 credits. Whoa. Although... The Expendables 4 is on that list, so I think we know. <laughs> that ain't happening. Not Ooh. one off. Mm. Speaking of Expendables. Yes. Terry Crews. Oh, yeah, that was a story. Yes. Yeah. Right, do you know the, the creepy background to it as well? Um, I, I, know, I know there's some kind of nefarious uh, dealings, but you have to... Right, so Terry Crews has quit The Expendables 4. Yeah, he says he won't be. He won't do it because one of the producers has pressured him to uh, drop his legal action against. Is it a casting agent? I think so. A casting agent who sexually assaulted him years earlier. Uh, right, so. Turns out, though, that producer has been named. Really? That producer is RV Lerner. I know that name. Yeah, because he produces loads of action movies. Mm. He's also a, a man who is also the single solitary reason Steven Seagal has never been in an Expendables movie, despite having been offered nearly every single one <laughs> of them. Uh, for reasons that he's never particularly gone into, Steven Seagal, who, let's not forget as well, has... A fair number of accusations levelled against him as regards sexual yeah, assault. That's still ongoing. But he has an axe to grind with Harvey Lerner going back 20 years to the last time he tried to stage his comeback at the end of the 90s. But apparently uh, something about Harvey uh, Lerner screwing him in some way. I don't particularly want to know which now. So, but yes, that is that's like apparently the it. So, uh, back of a Volkswagen. Back of a Volkswagen, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, if you want to know who the most evil man in Hollywood after Harvey Weinstein is, um, apparently Harvey Lerner. Weinstein, Lerner, Spacey. Uh, dude from Screen Junkies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the less we say, the better. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I am all out of news. As as am I, sir. We have newsed out this week. In I, which I, case, I think we newsed out 20 minutes ago when we started talking about Stallone and Schwarzenegger's filmography. It was fun, though, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it is always just fun to talk about Stallone and, 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 yeah. and Schwarzenegger. Um, so, I mean, the only one thing left to do then. I think so. Okay. Here it is. Your moment of cake. Don't forget the tartar sauce. Call the order in, Irene, and, and quit busting my you-know-what, okay? You always have to listen to what I'm saying to you. I heard you. Tartar sauce. 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 Man, I'd like to put my face in there. Right in there. Tartar sauce. My hips are cold. Tartar sauce. That's when you know it's cold. I like eating tartar sauce. A lot of guys don't. Well, maybe they do. Maybe that's just black guys. Tartar sauce. What happened to the guy who was trying to go around the world in a balloon? Did he make it? I should put some espionage or stolen plutonium in my novel. Tartar sauce. Spice it up. Neil Young. It's cold. Neil Young. What, why am I thinking about Neil Young? Neil Diamond. Neil. There's not a lot of famous Neils. Is this Wednesday? I wish I had two. 
I thought the whole family was going to learn Spanish together this year. That never really happened. I haven't had a Spanish omelet in a long time. There we go. Anything else? No. Where is the tartar sauce? 